Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, in a little turn of events, I will also be your guest. (laughs) And the reason I'm doing that is because over my time here of interviewing some wonderful people, I've had some people say, well, hey, when are you going to share your story on the podcast and talk about what FDN did for you? And I said, you know what? That's a really good point. So I had some free time. I had a little bit of a cancellation. And I was thinking, hey, maybe this is a great time to do this and release this episode. Going to be shorter than the other ones, probably, and I'm going to run through the same exact structure. I don't use a script, but I do use a structure for each of these interviews, and I'm going to do the exact same thing I would do with anyone else. And so question number one starts with, what was my health like as a kid? When did my health problems start, and what was going on? So without further ado, let's get into it. At around five years old, I started experiencing my first real health symptoms. I was actually really a happy guy and overall seemed to be doing well prior to that. But right around that age, I started experiencing panic attacks. And I do mean full-blown panic attacks that were not preceded by any trauma, which was really kind of strange. I always had stomach issues, stomach pain a lot of the times. And I would take, and this is pretty funny, but... It's not funny if you think about it from a functional perspective. I would make these huge bowel movements (laughs) to the point where my parents, even though I was such a young guy, ended up getting a different toilet in our upstairs of our house because I would clog it every single day. And again, kind of funny in a way looking back, but from a functional perspective, that really is not a good thing. You know, a young kid should not be able to do that. But of course, no one that we talked to really thought about that stuff. And so we went to a doctor originally for the panic attacks specifically. When we got there, this guy was a well-meaning dude, not a bad guy at all. And it is actually even to this day, you know, and I say that because mental health issues have increased. And I think that's for various reasons that are for a separate podcast. But the panic attacks got overlooked unintentionally. Because even to this day, like I was saying, It is not necessarily common that a five-year-old male, especially with a one without a history of trauma, is going to be dealing with such a severe type of mental health condition. And so what he said to my parents is that, hey, Evan just gets himself a little too worked up. He is going to outgrow this. It's nothing to worry about. Well, the problem is it wasn't really something I outgrew. And in fact, what was occurring at that age was a warning sign of what was going to come later in my life. And going down the timeline, at nine years old, I started experiencing my first breakouts. I'd get them right around my chin, kind of like uh, in that, you know, like that little indent between the bottom of the chin and your lips, like right in the middle. I'd get them right around there, and my skin would be like embarrassingly oily. And I don't just mean after sweating in gym class or something. I mean, I'd be sitting in class and I'd get this oil all around my nose and all around my chin and just kind of my cheeks even. It was super, super embarrassing and I didn't really understand what was going on. And of course, you know, a year or two later, they're teaching you in your, what do you call that? 
I guess your sex ed class, they're starting to talk about puberty and all of those things that you're going to go through and hey, you might get acne or whatever. But I was kind of that live example before anyone else really had it. And I was always several steps worse than even the other worst person or worst case, I should say, in my school. And so that was happening at nine. The stomach issues got more and more severe and the mental health issues were probably arguably the worst symptoms. It went from, you know, maybe one or two panic attacks a month, maybe even every couple months at that five-year-old range to by the age of 15, I now have panic disorder. And I'm experiencing at least one panic attack every single day, sometimes multiple per day. And they were scary as hell. I didn't really understand still what I was going through. I didn't understand how I could be such a logical guy and still convince myself every single time that I experienced one of these things that I was going to die and something bad was really going to happen to me. It was a really confusing thing. I hated how they'd come on and so fast you're in that state of thinking that you are going to die. And if you've never had a panic attack, this can probably sound pretty unrelatable. I encourage you to maybe just go look it up on Google. Look up the symptoms of a panic attack and you'll kind of get a bigger picture of what I'm getting at here. But for those who have dealt with this, you'll know exactly what I mean. This also was accompanied by generalized anxiety disorder. And now what that is, is more of a more mild, yes, but more consistent anxiety that kind of just never goes away. And so it's characterized by, you know, things like an elevated heart rate or just constantly feeling tense. You know, I always had this pain in my shoulder and neck, kind of a worry were. And I don't mean that in some derogatory term. I'm obviously talking about myself, but that is what the person looks like. It looks like they just worry about every little thing. They're constantly stressed. They're like hypervigilant. It's like you're always in a mild state of fight or flight. And then I'd get smacked by these panic attacks and just get thrown over the top into fight or flight. And these were exhausting experiences. You're kind of, I, Reed Davis talks about this for different reasons, but he, he used the phrase before wired but tired. And I just related to that so much the first time I heard that because that is how I felt for the entirety of most of my middle school and especially high school years. I was just wired and also exhausted, <laughs> but I couldn't really ever fall asleep. I was always up super late and Eventually, what would happen is my anxiety would just burn me out so bad because the adrenaline rush would be so intense and then finally die out that I would more or less pass out as opposed to just gently falling to sleep. After this had gone on for a little bit, and of course, technically, the mental health issues had been going on on and off for 10 years. But after that severe bout of the daily panic attacks came for maybe three or four months, that's when major depressive disorder, otherwise known as depression, started kicking in. And this was an experience that was a lot different than anxiety. Anxiety, even if you don't know what it is, which I did not know what it was for a large portion of the time that I was dealing with it, because I was a young adult and I wasn't really willing to talk to people about these things. I think that's for various reasons. It's not the main point of my conversation today, but I think maybe one of the things that happened was that very invalidating experience from the doctor at a young age. And this is, guys, this is a good guy. This is not someone who meant ill or anything bad upon myself or my family. It was unintentional, but you know, unintentional things can still have consequences. And one of those consequences for me was 
Last time I went and explained what I was going through, I was told that I'm just getting myself a little too worked up and my family's told that there's nothing to worry about, even though I think I'm going to die. I didn't really, I had the intellectual ability to kind of understand that at the time, but I didn't have the other skills, especially in the emotional area, to really be able to share what I was going through effectively. And so depression kicked in, and I'm not telling anyone about what's going on. Now, I didn't really know I had depression, and the difference in the way depression versus anxiety came on is that, again, going back to what I was saying, anxiety, even if you don't know what it is, hits you really hard, especially a panic attack. If you've never had that in your life, and let's say I could click a switch and all of a sudden you get it, you are very aware that something just changed in your physiology and something is not going right. Depression is different as opposed to a sudden huge punch in the face. Depression is this subtle 1% change, at least in my experience, every single day until you look back after a couple months and you're like, what the hell happened to me? And you realize you're having different feelings than you've ever had before and your thoughts are different than ever before. Certain actions and habits in your life have changed. And again, you're kind of stuck there, left wondering, what the hell just happened? And by the time you realize what's going on, it feels like it's too late. You are now in the grips of this thing. And anxiety is something that absolutely affected my personality. It absolutely affected me to a degree. But depression, when it was left untreated... That changed me as a person. I became someone I wasn't really familiar with. I didn't know I could become. And I did things and made choices that were just not characteristic of the way I was raised or who I was at my core. Now, I'm not blaming mental health or depression necessarily on that. Um, I guess the better way to say it is I'm not justifying it with that. But I always try to say to people, there's a difference between justification and explanation. Justifying is saying that I'm not at fault at all or responsible for actions that I took. And I don't believe that to be the case. I really don't. But an explanation is still saying, hey, well, you know what? Had this not been a part of this individual's story, maybe some of the things would have looked differently. And it is important to mention that when we're explaining those things. So I hope that difference is clear. What occurred over the next few years, because to the best of my knowledge, I can say depression kicked in for me around maybe towards the end of being 14 or early 15 uh, years old, that is, but I wouldn't be diagnosed for about three years. And when I finally was diagnosed, I was diagnosed for dealing with the exact same symptoms that I had been dealing with three years ago. I turned to drugs. I was one of the last people in my friend group to ever try a drug, including alcohol. But very quickly, I became one of the people with the biggest problem. I was the one hiding mental health issues with this stuff. And depression made me feel numb. I think so many people look at depression, and if they've never dealt with it, they limit it to a sadness or a lack of interest in activities that once interested them greatly. And certainly for each individual that's dealing with this, it could look like that to a degree. For me... It looked much more like anger and irritability, getting extremely and easily set off by the smallest of things. And forget it, if it was actually something big, that was a full-out tantrum, possibly even a starting 
of a physical altercation with someone else. And I was a pretty skinny guy. I didn't have much business starting physical altercations with other people, but nonetheless, it happened. (laughs) It looked like emotional numbness sometimes, too. And that's a lot different than sadness. Emotional numbness, if you can even comprehend this, is this experience of something positive happening and you kind of know because you haven't always been numb. So you kind of know how you should be responding and you're just not able to respond in that way. But equally as interesting is that when something bad happens, you also have the same level of indifference. So for me, I'm not saying I was never sad with depression, but I would say the primary things that I experienced were numbness and anger and irritability in that order. I also experienced huge changes in my sleeping patterns and eating patterns. You know, I already couldn't fall asleep. That was already a huge issue, but sleep just became non-existent a lot of the times for me. And when I did finally fall asleep, it was only because I was using drugs and I'd sleep for really long periods of time after I used those drugs. I mean, sometimes I slept for 18 hours. Can also look like changes in eating patterns, like I said, which was kind of a back and forth for me. I mean, I think this was mostly because of drug use, but I could eat a ton of food one day and the very next day maybe not have much of any appetite at all. Over time, the depression got worse and the substance abuse got worse. And while all this is going on, my physical health is also getting worse. But you got to understand at the time, it's om- all the physical stuff is on the back burner. I mean, I have terrible sinus issues. I'm on antibiotics at least once a year. I catch every cold. My skin's a mess. There's oil all over it. I can't gain any weight. I have chronic stomach issues. I'd end up in the hospital once every year or two just from such severe stomach pain that never got diagnosed as anything. But we always had to go thinking it could be like appendicitis or something more serious. All that stuff's going on, but it's just an afterthought because the experiences that I was having with mental health were dominant. They took over my life and drugs took over my life as well. I was someone who used marijuana every single day. And a lot of people will debate that because I know some people even use marijuana for mental health conditions. I'll tell you this. I've had experience with this, so I can speak for it. It's not for everyone. I definitely don't think it's for most adolescents. And it absolutely can exacerbate certain mental health conditions in certain people, and that was the case for me. Things got bad. I also was not a huge experimenter. I wasn't really someone that was going out and like, oh, let's you know trip on mushrooms or take acid or whatever. It wasn't just doing drugs for the sake of drugs. I've actually had a very limited amount of drugs I've ever tried compared to most people who have had substance abuse problems. But the issue was the things that did work for me or that I felt relief from, I certainly abused in abundance. Namely, uh, benzodiazepines, the Xanaxes, the Klonopin, the Ativans. These are all in the same family. To me, they were just about all the same in terms of what I was using them for. And I remember trying the smallest dose of Xanax you could possibly get, which is 0.25 milligrams. I guess technically you could break that in half. But in terms of a single prescribed dose, that's about as small as you can get. And I got that from a friend, friend's brother, actually. And when I took that, and I don't know if this is of any... um, 
I don't know what this means to you, but that was not someone experimenting just trying to get high. And I hope that dose is proof of that. This was someone that was looking for relief. And a result of looking for that relief led or ended up leading to abuse of those things. Abuse was not the initial thought. I felt amazing when I took that first dose. It was as if someone just took everything that was wrong with me my entire life and just flipped an off switch. Just like that. 20 minutes. Little pill, glass of water, 20 minutes, gone. The pain in my shoulders was lessened more than when I took like three ibuprofen. I didn't care about the fact that I had acne or at the very least, I felt like I was able to look at it in a more realistic and logical sense. I didn't have anxiety. I was damn near euphoric. And Xanax is not a drug that has anything in it that should cause euphoria. That's what's particularly interesting. That euphoric feeling that I'm describing came from this sense of just feeling amazing from not having any of my other symptoms for a second. And I thank God I never actually abused that stuff on a daily basis, at least long term, but I sure did abuse it. And 0.25 milligrams very quickly became one milligram. And then two milligrams, and then sometimes three milligrams, and then three milligrams with alcohol, and three milligrams with alcohol, weed, and Xanax, and maybe some Benadryl or NyQuil, just to kind of strengthen the feelings that I was getting from it. Well, this led to me eventually spiraling completely out of control. I was selling weed myself to support the drug habit. I couldn't afford to even just smoke weed every day, let alone two of the other things I was doing. It led me to illegally ordering drugs offline and getting them shipped to other people's houses and abusing those relationships and putting them at risk so that I could get these things. It led to me driving around in cars, certainly inebriated, um, certainly intoxicated, and at worst, completely blacked out, not considering for one second the consequences that that could have on someone else's life. You know, a mom or something driving with her kids down the road, not expecting some blacked out teenager to be driving at 6 p.m. on a Friday. And it led to a point where I finally had a very serious moment in my life. And that serious moment was me getting kicked out of school. I got kicked out for an altercation that was ridiculous. And it was something that I didn't choose to do consciously. But my actions and lack of willingness to ask for help despite knowing something was wrong, 100,000% contributed to, meaning that I'm responsible. And I agree with that statement, to be clear. And so I was left in this position at one point of being out of school 17 days into my senior year, kicked out. I ruined my reputation. I lost the trust of many of my friends and the people I cared about, my family members. And even though I actually had a really good life in terms of socioeconomic status of my family, where we lived, all these things, I was still in hell. Because you can have the best environment in the world, but if your internal is bad, that's what really counts. 
And just to prove the opposite extreme, how does someone like Nelson Mandela go for over two decades in prison, a South African prison, and come out and become the president? That's someone who's mastered the internal, even though his environment was hell. During those times when I had gotten kicked out, for the same thing that got me kicked out, I also got arrested. I spent a brief period of time in a juvenile detention facility. I spent the day of my 18th birthday on house arrest with an ankle monitor on. And I'd love to tell you that one of those things woke me up. I'd love to tell you that that's when I figured it out and I got into the natural side of things and everything was sunshine and rainbows after that. But that just wasn't what happened. Those incidents occurring, whether or not it was my fault or not, and it totally was, but it still had a negative effect on me and it pulled me down even lower to the point that if I didn't care before, I really didn't give a damn now. I had no value on my life whatsoever and I almost feel and I still believe to this day that some of the actions that I took over the next few months were subconscious cries for someone to stop this because I didn't have the courage to say what was actually going on. I continued to abuse drugs even though I was on probation, getting urine tested. My family is like hyper aware now. They're not absent from the picture. They care about me. They're there. I don't mean this in some bragging way. I had just always been a reasonably intelligent guy, I think. Certainly wasn't good at sports. I mean, you don't want to see me throw a football or dribble a basketball. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but all that juice from sports had kind of went into the brain. And so I was able to trick these people in my life. And I was able to hide things that maybe other people couldn't hide. And I'd think about ways to get away with things. And that was my ultimate downfall. Is that I was just smart enough to kind of outdo the system. And I'm killing myself all that time. And I finally had an incident that is not important to really mention today. I actually don't think it really is entertaining or even worth listening to for most other people. Because it really only had significance for me. I don't, or significance for me, excuse me. I don't know what it would do for a listener. But it was an altercation with a girlfriend that I had at the time. Someone that was very special to me in high school. And of all things, this altercation that I caused was the thing that brought my self-awareness back for a little bit. And it made me think about the things that I was doing in my life and the path that I was on and the fact that the current path was only going to end up in one of two directions. There was a fork in the road I can take either way, but the, neither of them were really particularly good. One was dead, the other was in jail. And that hit me hard. But I said to myself, you got to stop. Like, you got to change something. And I will never sit here and sugarcoat things. Many parts of my journey have been two steps forward, one step back. But what I love still about the two steps forward, one step back kind of journey is eventually your one step back is still so damn far ahead of where you began that it doesn't even matter. And that's what happened to me. I made a decision after that altercation with that girlfriend that things needed to change in my life. And I started reaching out to a counselor that I was actually assigned to on probation. But let's just put it this way. I wasn't really willing to work with and cooperate with this person before that day. <laughs> and I finally was 
uh, willing to talk to him. And he helped me out tremendously. I stopped abusing drugs in the way I had been. And I made a decision that things needed to get better. I didn't really know what that meant or how I was going to do that. But there was just something in my mind that this cannot go on. And there's no other option but to figure it out. And so I got through that part. And then I'm kind of left in this, <laughs> you know, no man's land of knowing I want to do better, but not having the resources necessarily to do that and not knowing even what that means. And I got involved in a health and wellness company with some absolutely fantastic people. It was actually a network marketing company. I know some people love them. Some people hate them. I'm not in one anymore. Haven't been in one for years, but the network marketing company kind of changed my life forever because they had a health and wellness based formula that was used in all their products. Now, I joined this company to sell things and be around really great people because when I was pitched the opportunity, the people in it were fantastic. They were all a little older than me. They were still young adults, but a little older than me at the time. And I knew that I needed these individuals in my life. So when we start making these powerful decisions that we're going to get our health better, we're going to figure things out, we start having discernment. And we can see what's good for us and what's not so good for us. And I didn't really know what was going to happen over the next year or two, but I knew these are the people I needed to be around. And while we were selling unintentionally, what happened was incredible. Because I'm consuming all of the products and I'm consuming them multiple times a day because we're doing sales events. And of course, if you're at these sales events and you got these healthy products, you should be taking them at the events, right? You want to have that social proof that you're using them and you actually enjoy these things, which we did. But I was using so much of them that I was like mega dosing vitamins. It was basically a really advanced multivitamin. And I noticed after several months that I didn't feel depressed at all. And my anxiety, it was there, but it certainly was nothing like it was before. And I began to wonder if there wasn't something to this. Was it possible that nutraceuticals and lifestyle could be the main reasons for the health issues that I had been experiencing as long as I could remember and that it wasn't just limited to some terrible fate or bad genes. And as so many of the people listening to this already know, those thoughts were correct and absolutely nutrition mattered and no, genetic potential was not some fate that I had to just live by and accept. Over the next few years, I had some hiccups. I had acne that got so, so bad, it was not even funny. It was one of probably the worst cases you've ever seen. I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called Meniere's disease. It's an autoimmune disease of the inner ear, and it's uh, characterized by extreme bouts of vertigo, ringing in the ears, uh, feelings of pressure and fullness, like something's in there, almost. Not an object necessarily, but like... Uh, a fluid or an air almost. And you're supposed to eventually lose your hearing in at least one ear. And I actually already had some of that hearing loss when I went into the doctor and got tested. Well, I'll tell you this. It's been six, almost seven years since those things happened. I get a breakout here and there, but it's nothing like it was before. My skin's actually almost completely clear some days. I don't have that hearing loss. I don't take any medications for that Meniere's disease. 
I don't deal with depression. I haven't had a panic attack in probably five or six years. And I don't deal with generalized anxiety disorder. I don't have random stomach pains. I have my vibrancy and health and life back. And all of those things were accomplished by getting on this journey and really learning about this stuff in especially FDN. Over time, what happened is I got into a certification that was not FDN. And I'm not going to talk about that because you know what? It really didn't, I wouldn't consider it particularly life-changing. It was very cool and I did learn a lot, but it wasn't what I needed. Um, Certainly, it could be the exact thing someone else needs. So it wasn't for me. But that eventually led to finding FDN. And I was so sold on the natural side of things that the way I found FDN is probably a little different than most people find it. I grew up in Pennsylvania, about 45 minutes northeast of Philadelphia, very far southeast Pennsylvania. I'm only five minutes away from Jersey. And I was about 21 at the time, maybe 20. And I knew in my head, I don't know if other places in the country have this image of California or what, but I knew that I had made so much progress with my health, I needed to go talk to people who were actually into this because my town was huge, but it only had like two naturopathic doctors. I had kind of utilized both of them and, you know, they did great work, but it didn't get me to where I needed to go to. And I had it in my mind that California was where all the hippies are. And hippies like natural health, and they'll probably know a lot about it, and they can help me out. And so I asked my best friend in the world, Jake Keller, to come out with me to California. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but let's figure it out. Um, We had $1,200 total to our name at that time, uh, to our names, I guess. And we had his 2006 or 5 Ford Taurus with 90,000 miles on it that he didn't even bother to get inspected before we drove it across the country about, you know, probably a month or two after I proposed this idea to him. (laughs) That's what best friends are for, right? You give them something freaking crazy like that. And he called me back within 24 hours and said, yeah, I'm in. I'll put in my two weeks at my work today. (laughs) So we drove out there and we start going to these random health meetups. Now, Jake, I mean, he loves me, but he was just along for the ride, right? He wasn't in there for the health stuff necessarily. I was on a mission. I was trying to find these health-oriented people. I wanted to know more about it. I'm going to meetups. I'm going to chiropractic offices. I want to find someone that can tell me what's going on. And sure enough, I wind up in a coffee shop in the heart of San Diego, California. Beautiful day. I got this oversized shirt on. I mean, it's like I think my dad's or something like that. It's a dress shirt. I'm trying to look nice for these things. I look ridiculous. And I walk in like 15 minutes late because we can't find any damn parking. And it literally got to the point where Jake just took the wheel. He's like, dude, you go in. You're the one that knows about this stuff. I'll find the park and I'll meet up with you. And so I get in there and a woman named Jen Maleka is in front of the room and she is talking and presenting about the things that she's been through. Now, Jen was one of our first guests on this podcast. She's within the first 10 episodes, so definitely go check out her story. And when I heard it for the first time, it was incredible. This is a woman that had overcome skin cancer at a very young age, twenty in her 20s. I think it was 26 years old, uh, as well as Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And she was in front of this room, about 20 or so people, throwing down some knowledge. She was saying things. I didn't even know what the hell she was talking about, but I was so impressed. She was vibrant. She had a ton of energy. It was so clear that she had genuinely overcome her health challenges. And why this was so important to me is because I had heard like random stories like hers throughout the internet or even books, but I hadn't met anyone like that. 
And I needed to see someone like that in person to know that this was possible, that this was real, it wasn't just a theory, and that the body could truly heal when the right things were done. And after I got done listening to that presentation, actually probably sometime during it, to be honest, I was just sitting there. I've never been a spiritual guy, but I've developed that a lot over the last several years. I'm just sitting there, and I knew intuitively, I'm like, this is why I came out to California. This is exactly why. This was worth the risk. I'm not stupid for doing this. I'm not an idiot for convincing my friend to come out with no money. This is why. And that's how I found FDN. I ended up going in through the course. I called my mom and dad up. Uh, I think just my mom actually at the time. And I hadn't went to college. I went through like a semester and a half, but I knew it wasn't for me. And I started doing various sales jobs afterwards. I, I was doing well. I just, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I knew I was wasting money with not knowing what I wanted to study. But this was it. And so my parents were willing, thankfully, to help me out with that. Because again, I, I didn't really have much money at the time. And so they were willing to pay the tuition for it so I could go through FDN. And that was my version of college. And holy cow, was that a good version of college. Um, I flew through the course. I found some wonderful things. Well, wonderful, subjective, right? <laughs> I found a lot of things on my lab tests, including just absolutely being burnt out. I was in the exhaustive phase at a 20, as a 21-year-old male of HPA axis dysfunction. I found that my liver was sluggish and that I had dysbiosis and that I wasn't breaking down protein properly and that I had food sensitivities to things like wheat and to dairy, uh, to corn, things I was just consuming on a regular, if not daily basis for years. And it was like I finally got answers. I had made good leaps in my healing journey. I certainly had probably gotten about 60 or 70% better. But FDN, had I done that first, not only would have gotten me that 60 or 70% in the first damn month, and I'm not kidding, what took me years would have taken a month with FDN, they also pushed me over the edge and got me that additional percentage that I needed. This has been one of the most wonderful and best experiences of my life. It turned me into someone who went from kind of a lazy student. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, you know, school came easy to me. I never found something that really got my interest. I always liked numbers, but I wasn't going to be like a mathematician or something like that. This has been different. This was a passion and spark that was ignited in me when I first got into natural health. And FDN also solidified that. It just completely put that on steroids. I cannot stop talking about this stuff. I can't stop studying it. And it's like, when I got that feeling, that alone, forget the health stuff. I just didn't want that to go away. Because I realize how wonderful our lives are when we're doing something we care about, when we're excited, and when we have hope again. Because I didn't have hope for the longest time. This has been uh, such a great thing. And the reason I'm here with the FDN Thrive podcast is because for the last four years since I graduated, I have just wanted to give back in some way. And I didn't really always have something to do, to be honest. I didn't have skills to give back. But over the last several years, you know, in addition to just doing FDN stuff and coaching, um, I'm a professional speaker. So I speak in schools on mental health issues. I actually don't talk to students that much about the natural side of things. Certainly it's mentioned. Uh, but more of it is just about, you know, starting the process of health. Uh, excuse me, starting the process of healing, whatever that might look like for them. I don't care if it's natural health or not. I just know that you're better off doing something than nothing when it comes to dealing with chronic mental health issues. But 
thankfully developing that skill has given me the ability to actually offer FDN something in terms of, you know, being able to do this podcast and hosting the real results show that we do on Wednesdays and then doing some things with FDN Thrive where I'm able to talk to people like you. Uh, Maybe you're a listener. Maybe you're interested in our program and you're coming in here and you want to, you know, talk to us or work with us. I'm actually the person that'll help you through that at least initially, you know, I get on the phone with you, I talk to you through these things and see if this is actually the right program for you. I hope I don't need to say this. I hope that an audio like this and podcast like this would make it apparent. But I'm not here to sell anyone. I'm here because every single bone and cell in my body believes in what we are doing. And I know that this works. And when someone calls us and asks about the program, I know that FDN still even though this works, it doesn't mean it's necessarily for everyone. Because some people don't want to do it the FDN way. The FDN way is amazing. It's not always easy. I mean, you got to want to do this. You got to be willing to make lifestyle changes in addition to just spending the money on the labs and the program. If you do what we say, it's going to work. No one's ever gotten worse. That's for sure. But you got to be willing to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put some things behind me. I'm going to put some bad habits or bad foods in the past so that I can get better. Because I've realized that, you know, all these things that I'm holding on to, whether it's staying up late or the junk food or the drinking alcohol twice every weekend or something like that. These are just things that I'm using to hold on to try to feel happy. They're attachments and it's false because really what true happiness is, is feeling that health and having your body work well and having your brain work well. You don't need these attachments to these things that really are quite useless and harmful to the body. We don't need that for just quick temporary pleasure when we're actually healthy and feeling great naturally. So I know I'm doing this a little differently than you know we typically would in most podcasts, and I don't want to take up any more time than I would give to someone else. So I want to spend the last 12 or 13 minutes here answering some questions that I typically ask to a guest. So one is just how did I get into the natural side of things in general? I think that's kind of already clear. The multivitamin experience in that health and wellness company, I, I always had a thought that I was not supposed to be sick. I don't know really how else to describe that. I've alluded to that in other podcast interviews that I've done, but it just didn't make sense to me that I, as a human being who was being told I had the best of the best genes due to evolution and natural selection, sucked at health. (laughs) It it just didn't add up. I wasn't buying that narrative. Um, That didn't mean I had the answers, but something intuitively didn't make sense to me about that. And so once I had that experience with the multivitamin, I mean, I never really even dabbled in much Western medicine again. Um, I utilized practitioners and exercise and certifications and naturopathic doctors, and obviously, of course, FDN. And I still learn to this day. Um, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of things. And I kind of just did my own self-study. I learned how to read like scientific papers. There's many aspects there, but that's kind of how I got into the natural side of things. Um, Another question that, you know, we typically ask or I typically ask people is, you know, what did I find on the labs that were maybe really interesting? And I'll tell you this. My hormone test was, just to keep it simple, uh, pretty banged up. I am a male and I had a progesterone level and progesterone is... It's something found in both males and females, but it's certainly more of a estrogen family type of thing. It's a, it's a woman hormone. It was four and a half times higher than the highest level of the reference range for males. It was like a 453 on a scale of something that was like, I think, 20 or 30 to 100 at the time. It was a different test. We use a different one now. 
But I was like, wow, okay. And no one could really explain that to me. Even the practitioners. I mean, God bless them. FDN's fantastic. But my mentor was very honest with me. He's like, I've never seen anyone that's a male have that, let alone a young male. He's like, I don't really have an answer for that. Again, my cortisol was tanked. Um, I was in the exhaustive phase of HPA axis dysfunction. My DHEA, which is an androgenic hormone, was five times higher than the upper end of the reference range. It was really interesting. Testosterone was relatively normal, trending a little low, but nothing like too shocking. And so just seeing that kind of stuff on paper and correlating those things with why I felt like absolute crap, because I felt like a 21-year-old that was burnt out. Well, you know what the paperwork showed? I was burnt out. (laughs) Uh, My body was tired. It was probably tired from the drug abuse. It was tired from the lack of sleep. It was tired from the years of just being in a chronic state of fight or flight due to anxiety. So yeah, you do that for long enough, a 21-year-old can be burnt out on the labs. And then to talk about some of the things that helped my health, because I know we're always talking about that on this show, switching to a paleo-based diet has been huge. Intermittent fasting, huge. Um, Changing my light environment, also huge. The lab tests have been, I mean, tremendous doing the gut work. Really just following our acronym DRESS has been the number one thing, which is diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation. You know, we always talk about the labs and get into really fancy stuff on these podcasts, but never forget the fundamentals. And FDN, yes, utilizes labs, but I love what Reed says and a lot of the mentors say. You could take away the labs tomorrow, but you would never take away FDN because FDN is not founded on labs. It's founded on principles of healing that work. Today, and I already kind of said this, but just to restate it, I don't really deal with many health issues. Um, I feel awesome. I'm able to gain healthy amounts of weight. My skin's so much better. My mental health issues, are I mean, they're just virtually non-existent. And I'm able to live a life that I love, filled with passion. And that's a big statement coming from someone who, for the longest time, contemplated taking his own life, not always necessarily even because of the depression, but just because I didn't know how anyone was supposed to enjoy life with chronic illness. And so it's made me become someone that is so insanely dedicated to sharing these stories with other people. And it's why I chose, you know, the podcast route and the speaking route, because I realized that's what sells. You can tell all the facts, you can tell the details, and there's a time and place for that. They're important. I love facts. I love studies. I'm a huge science nerd. But it's the stories of what these people go through and what they've overcome and how they did it. That's what resonates with people. That's what connects with human beings. The more of those things that we can get out in the world, I think that's what's going to change things. And that's why I'm so glad to be here. And if you're listening today and you're on the fence wondering, is it possible for me to heal? Is it possible for me to feel better? I have been dealing with the things that I've been dealing with for so long. Does anyone understand that? Folks, I am not here because of getting some kind of paycheck or or whatever, right? I would pay FDN to let me work for them, dead honest. Probably shouldn't say that on uh, recording, right? (laughs) But seriously, this is the place. These are good people. 
they know what the heck they're doing. And you got friends in us. If we can't help you, we will not leave you hanging. We will make sure that you get to the right person that can help you. This is never a, oh, you know what, they weren't right for us. So, okay, see ya. Have a good life. It's no. What book can you read? What doctor can we refer you to? What practitioner can we refer you to? There is something out there for everyone. And if we can't help you, we will make sure you get that. So go to fdnthrive.com. Click the Get Started Here button. It's in the top right. And get on the phone with me. (laughs) You'll fill out some of the stuff. You and I can talk. And I'll guide you through the process to see if this is the right thing for you. And if it is, I'll show you how it works. I'll show you how our program works. And then we'll get you hooked up with a coach that can start changing your life. This stuff can change. It is tough. It is sometimes takes a little uh, course correction and a minor bit of trial and error. Certainly, we're trying to avoid trial and error, but nonetheless, it happens sometimes to a minor degree, and that's okay. Nothing's perfect yet. But you're going to figure this out. But you got to take that first leap and actually say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop just listening to podcasts and reading books. And that's a wonderful thing if you're doing that. But you also got to take serious action. Stop just playing guessing games with trying this supplement or that diet or whatever, okay? It's time to get better. FDNthrive.com. Click the Get Started Here button. Let's get on the phone. Let's get to talking about this stuff. And I'm going to finish out today by answering the signature question that I ask to every single person on this podcast. If you're a regular listener, you already know what it is. And that one question is, if I had a magic wand, today it's me at least, (laughs) if I had a magic wand and I could get every single person in this world to do one thing or not do one thing for their health, what is that one thing I would get them to do or not to do? And just like all of our practitioners and guests on this show, yeah, it's a hard question to answer because everyone's bio-individual. But for me, I would say I would catch sunrise every single day for at least 30 to 45 minutes with bare eyes. That sets the circadian rhythm. It sets people off on a great foot for the day. And the better optimized our circadian rhythm, we don't have enough time to talk about this today, that's for sure. But the better optimized all the systems in our body are, and the better chance you have at being healthy. And this is the example I always use. You know, I got a dad and wonderful guy, but he's not really into health. He's worked as a landscaper, though, for about the last uh, coming up on 35 years. Guy's one of the healthier dudes I know, despite smoking every single day, eating junk food or whatever, but he lives outside. You know what I mean? He's out there every single day. Uh, For the longest time, he worked 10, 12 hours a day for seven days a week. Light matters. It's a separate conversation, but that is the one thing I would get every single person to do for their health. Now, of course, I'm also the person that does the outro on these podcasts, so I can transition right into that. I just want to thank you. I hope that this episode, even though it was a little different, was something that still brought you value. Um, I know that I kind of changed up uh, changed up even the structure that I normally use, and it was really more story-based. But if you found that effective, please feel free to let me know. And if you like this podcast, not just this episode, but any of the episodes, Consider leaving us a five-star reviews uh, review on Apple Podcasts. What that does is it helps us get out there, okay? And it helps us let people know that this stuff's actually possible. Folks, there are so many people suffering with so many of the things that I talked about today. Panic disorder, major depressive disorder, severe cystic acne, Meniere's disease. These people are going to get surgeries. 
Sometimes these people are going to be on medication for the rest of their life with severe symptoms because they don't know that there's an alternative. And so something as simple as leaving a five-star review, maybe a few kind words if you're feeling particularly generous, that helps us out to get this message spread. Thank you so much for listening. You know where to find us if you think you're ready to start your journey, fdnthrive.com. Anytime you're ready, we're there. If you're done with the guessing games, if you're done with being in a cycle of trial and error, you're done wasting money, and you want to finally come to the last place you're ever going to need to come, this is the place. How many stories of healing do you need to hear to pull the trigger on it? I hope to be talking to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNthrive.com. Thrive.com.